This is why you're fucking poor. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hi. Welcome to That's Deep, Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for uh, watching on YouTube. Big episode today. Uh, I got a lot to talk about, but first, some business. I'm I'm moderately touring. Uh, August 23rd, your mom's house live at West Palm Beach at the Improv. There, uh, come check that out if you're if you're in Florida around there. And then September 22nd and 23rd, Helium Comedy Club uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. And then October 4th in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina at the Comedy Zone. And then I believe, it's, I think it's the 5th or the 3rd. I'm sorry. It's, it's not on their calendar, so it's not on mine yet. Um, Zanies in Nashville. So these are one night only, man. That's it. And then I come home. And then October 8th, your mom's house live in Irvine. I apologize to anybody that held tickets for the July 9th show. We had to push all those ticket holders to October 8th. So your, your tickets will be honored uh, if you come to that. Yes, very good. Okay. So uh, let's do it. Let's just get into it, man. I'm ready to get deep. I got my coffee. It is the morning. Um, I got my Pilates gear on and uh, I'm ready to get fucking crazy. Let's do it. cute right pictures of your mama and your papa proving they loved each other way back when super cute man it 
I don't know. I've been really liking the kinks lately. There's something very uh, simple and really, really nice about those dudes. Uh, anyways, big week this week. I uh, oh boy, I am I am in the midst of editing a comedy special, and if you've ever had to watch yourself over and over say the same shit a thousand times, uh, man, it is it's tough, especially if you're not. Uh, a person who just loves your voice and your face and everything you say. Oh boy, the, I, I got to put the the self loathing stuff in check this week, and also my perfectionism. You know, because you just—I I swear I could I could edit this for a year, and I don't have that kind of time. It's got to it's got to go quick. But uh, man, I, uh, I I'm just doing it, and I every day I have you know you watch it and you get notes, and then you change things and this and that. And um, I'm so ready for it to be over. I'm so frustrated and I, I get so locked into myself and I get frustrated. And anyway, I took a break uh, and I went to go to the zoo with the kiddo and I was looking at the apes and realizing like, hey, there's not a lot of difference between who's on what side of the fence, if you know what I'm saying. Genetically speaking, we share 98% of our DNA with uh, the very creatures that we put in a disgustingly whatever, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, not a modulation. What's the, I don't know. It's a simulation. There you go. Of their natural habitat. It's like these fake mountains and they, they throw them bell peppers and carrots, which is like, it's humane. I mean, the LA zoo is not some kind of uh, depressing place, but, uh, but you realize like, wow, these are magnificent wild creatures and there's really not a lot between <laughs> between them and me and who's on what side of the fence that we're looking at them you know and and they're brilliant and you can tell like there's so many similarities and and then I started to realize that my my little brain my my puny little uh partially monkey brain can't really handle a lot of stuff and and there's a reason because we're not we're we're so new you know humans in the grand scheme of things of evolution it, it, we're not that great we're really not that brilliant clearly we're not that brilliant because we keep repeating the same mistakes in society over and over and over again just uh, ad nauseum people are starving you get the picture it, it we're not evolving we're it's a it's a it's some some ways there's evolution you know it's transgendered people and women's rights and and sometimes race relations i guess but you know overall we're still just operating off reptilian brain and and fear and will i survive will i eat tomorrow and another thing we're not supposed to live past 35 really this is a new thing that we live uh now maybe till 75 80 i don't know what the span is and our little monkey brains are confused because we're not supposed to live past 40 and now we've got like a whole other life uh that you live from 40 till death like the second chapter or whatever and it's so fucking weird it's so weird but the point being uh i'm doing this thing i realize my brain has limitations and that i am just a i'm just a tick floating on the ass of some planet floating around in space and ultimately, ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter, right? When you take a step back of anything that you're freaked out about and you're stewing in it and you're in your own shit, you realize, oh, yeah, I'm going to fucking die. One day, I'm going to be dead. 
and, and none of this will matter. And am I really that upset about X, Y, and Z? And, or am I really this frustrated about X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, and it gets me into a much better place when I kind of pull back, you know, a camera, camera pulls back and I can see earth and I can see the other planets and I can see the big picture. And then I laugh at myself when I go to the zoo and I point at animals that are not far off from where I am. (laughs) Uh, So it got me thinking about frustration and I've been getting a lot of emails coincidentally about uh, ambivalence about the space in between things happening. And I'm going to read them in a minute, but I guess just for a minute, I wanted to talk about what that stuff is. You know, um, everyone talks about reaching the mountaintop and how great it feels to be a winner or a loser or whatever. But what about the space in between? What about all the shit that goes on every day? The day-to-dayness of existence, the, the mucky muck, the days where you wake up and you don't feel like... Um, you know, climbing mountains and and making breakfast for the kids and uh, and going to your job with a smile on your face. That's like, I'm not talking about depression. We've done lots of episodes on depression. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about days where like, I don't know, it just is. You just are. You're just getting, you're just doing, you're just being. But at the same time, there's a low level frustration, um, ambivalence, right? Is that the word? Maybe. Yeah. Like uh, in therapy, for instance, I, I talk about uh, dealing with various people in my life, whatever frustrations I have. And, and so often I want, to, I want my therapist to just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. How do, I, how do I get out of this? What's the solution? How do I just get out of this muck? How do I get out of the bad feelings? How do I... I just want to dis- decide. I want to choose. I want to solve so I can get on to the next thing, <laughs> right? I... I always want to get on to the next thing. God damn it. Let's go. You know, let's, let's finish eating so we could go to the park. And then we're at the park. Let's finish the park so we can get home and have lunch. And then let's have, let's go take a nap. And there's always, right. There's always the next thing. And, and, uh, and then you realize like, Oh, wait a minute. I, I can't always be waiting to get to the next thing. Cause that's in the between all the waiting to get to the next thing. That's when your life happens, right? Isn't that what John Lennon said? Life is what happens when you're making the plans to get the life. Life is what happens when you're making plans, plans. Yeah. Anyway, in between your plans is right is when life happens. <laughs> uh, thank you, John Lennon. I'm quoting you perfectly as usual. Um, life is what happens when you're making plans. I think that's the saying. Right. So it, the thing is, is that the, the mountaintops are great and the peaks and the valleys are great. But the truth is, the reality is most of your life is spent in the in-betweens. And I think a lot of us love talking about the highs and the lows because it feels definitive. It feels like, well, the accomplishment part, surely that's what we're all striving for, right? The, uh, the career, the kids, the family, the house, the thing, the, the, the best, the worst, whatever, because it's quantifiable. And our monkey brains love certainty. We love knowing that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's, uh, there's meaning to all this. But really, I mean, ultimately, yeah, you want to make your life more comfortable while you're existing on this planet and you want to have meaningful work and and meaningful relationships. Absolutely. But most of it is spent in the the achieving, the trying, the doing, right? Isn't that what stupid fucking self-help people say? It's not about the 
goal. It's about the journey. I disagree. (laughs) I think it's absolutely about the goal. Uh, I enjoy getting what the fuck it is I want. Believe me, the journeys are miserable for me. Uh, You know, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't one of those people that looked at stand up as a fantastical journey into dive bars and performing and restaurants, seafood, hibachi grills, people cracking shells and falling asleep during your set. Isn't that a fun journey (laughs) of dropping out of law? school and your whole family thinking you're a failure for years. No, no, that, that journey is uh, abysmal, but, um, but I like achieving stuff, man. And I think our monkey brains like that reward. That's for sure. If you look at people holding their iPhones all day, you ever have days where at least I had a day yesterday where I kept checking my email for no reason. Like I'm waiting on an email, a business email, but like, I'm like, how many fucking times are you going to check the email, Christina? How many times are you going to are you going to get that reptilian brain reward seeking thing? Like how, how much, how much of a zing do you need right now? Cause that's what we do, right? It's that mindless. That's why uh, the, the, the iPhone is so popular with humans because it's this immediate gratification, the rewards. We're always looking for the reward, the reward, the reward, the reward. So the point is I ask my therapist all the time and I stopped asking cause I learned that ultimately there is no quick solution to any of your problems, right? When I'm having a problem with, uh, with somebody in my life and I just want to know what to do, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And, I, and she never does. She always talks about the feeling shit. God damn it. Now I got to talk about my feelings about this thing. Yeah. 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 You do because ultimately there is very little sometimes that can be done necessarily. Uh, sometimes you just have to sit in it and marinate and stew and be in the journey of it. And I fucking hate the journey. Most humans, we hate the journey. We just want to get to the next thing. Just give me the ice cream cone. I want to have my ice cream. And then after the ice cream, we're going to go to the movie. And then we're going to go to the movie. And then we're going to come home. And then we're going to have one. And then we're going to watch our shows. We're going to watch Game of Thrones, whatever it is. Then we're going to go fuck. And then we're going to go to sleep. And then we're going to wake up. We're going to take our shits. We're going to have our coffee. You know, get me to the next fucking thing. Because that tolerating of the frustration, tolerating the ambivalence, tolerating it. Our monkey brains are not designed. I don't know if you've watched a male toddler uh, in action, but I don't know if little girls are the same way, but I'll tell you, my kiddo wakes up at 6 a.m. and he is a heat-seeking missile of destruction. Just do, 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 do. All day, I do, I do, I do, mommy, I do. He run, he, he, he's constantly tearing shit apart in the kitchen. Okay, I'm going to tear shit apart here. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to tear shit apart out there. I'm going to play with the hose. And then I, like he's a constant motion machine. And, which leads me to believe that that's kind of how we are wired. On some level, at least the male species, <laughs> the male end of the species is, is wired to go, 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 do, 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 collect, gather, hunt, gather, hunt, gather. I believe women are a little bit better at being. Uh, than doing. I don't know. That's the common thought here. I mean, I tell you, when I'm in a state of constant doing, I am miserable. Right now I'm in a state of doing and I fucking hate it. I hate constant doing. It's just not how I'm wired. I'm, I'm a beer. <laughs> in fact, the less I can do, the happier I am. The less I do. I was just thinking today, like, what would you want to do today? If you could, I, I'd want to lay by the pool. I just want to, I just want to fucking lay down most of the time. And, and I did, for the most part, for a long time before I had kids. That's what being a stand-up comedian is. You just lay down all day, and then you get upset that you have to work for an hour. <laughs> Cuts into your lay-down time. 
I hate anything that cuts into my lay down time. I got Pilates after this, which is why I'm wearing this ridiculous athletic outfit. I got like run to my Pilates. Um, That God, the only good part about Pilates is that I get to lay down as I exercise. (laughs) I trick myself into thinking it's a nap when she's like, okay, now lay down on the machine. I'm like, yes, lay down on the machine. Oh, oh, and then I got to move my legs. Shit. All right. All right, I guess I'll pretend like I'm taking a leg nap right now. Put your hands in the... Oh, gosh. The only redeeming quality... I I love my Pilates instructor. She's like the best human being. She's so cute. She's so great. It's the only reason I go back, right? (laughs) So, the tolerating of the frustration. Um, and And that's what you teach little children, right? Little toddlers. You start with the tolerating of frustration... Because uh, our natural, I think, inclination is to go do next thing, bigger, better, bigger, better, bigger, better, and that's simply it, it. It works in some ways, but the reason it doesn't work is because now you're always hunting for the bigger, better deal. That's the problem, and your brain will always want to go to solution, 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 and then that's the the monkey brain, right? The the constant chattering that meditation does help and staying present. Blah 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 blah. Aren't you sick of hearing that shit? Staying present. Ugh, I hate Eckhart Tolle. I feel like it's Eckhart Tolle's fault. That little fucking hobbit in his little vest, and Oprah fell in love with him. And then the next thing you know, every every lady in America is talking about being present. And I don't even th- think any of us fucking really know what that means. I mean, sometimes I do, but you know, that fucking hobbit, Eckhart Tolle. God damn you, the power of now. And then Oprah had to latch on to it and tell all of us to start getting our consciousness thing on. Fucking Oprah. So, but uh, what I have learned is that, yeah, it it is tolerating frustration. That is it. That is the goal. The end game is tolerating the ambivalence, tolerating the moments of yes and no. I want this and I hate this. I love my husband. I hate my husband. I love my kids. I hate my kids. I love my job. I hate my job. I love my weight. I hate my weight. It's all there. It's all part of the stew. And I think nobody tells you that. <laughs> that's, the, that's the big fuckery of existence is that nobody tells you that it's totally fine to have two contradictory feelings about something at once. You can love and hate everything in your world simultaneously that's huge. That's huge. Because then you stop beating yourself up for hating the things you're supposed to love all the time, right? The problem is with the Oprah culture and the self-help culture and all the culture, especially in America, we're so do-driven, we're so success-oriented that if you're not in a state of ecstatic bliss over your job, over your sex life, over your whatever, something's wrong. That's the big fucking lie of this all. You know, and that's, that's the big lie. And that's the big selling of the self-help movement is that if you just put up enough sayings on your, uh, on your mirror, if you have enough, <laughs> enough calendars of cats hanging on ropes that say, hang in there, you'll somehow become magically motivated and you will get your life because it's all about positive thinking. And that's so fucking destructive. It's normal. It's totally great to have ambivalent feelings about shit. So Anyways, I just thought I would start there and uh, I'm going to get into some emails. Let's see. 
Um, here we go. Let's get our introduction. You want to know why you're all fucked up? There you go. I wanted to start on this one. Uh, speaking of ambivalence, because man, oh man, this is a real topic that I is close to my heart, and it's in my stand-up hour. As you guys will see, it'll be. I'll tell. I, I make the announcement soon, but. Um, uh, anyway, let, let's read the email and I will explain, right? Hey, mommy, I recently got engaged to my partner of four years and couldn't be happier. However, I, find, I found out about a month ago I'm pregnant and concerned I'm not having the, quote, normal happy feelings about it. I've been reading up online about women who have felt the same distant and deflated emotions, but they all say when their first scan comes along, they realize how happy and excited they are. I've just had my 12-week scan and feel no different. I feel like a terrible person because all I can think about is what I haven't done with my life and how much I don't want my life to change while my partner is already looking at car seats and slings. I know it will hit me eventually, and I've enjoyed buying little baby bits so far, but a friend of mine who is also pregnant talks about nothing else, which makes me think maybe I'm not the mothering kind. Is this normal, and will I be overcome with happiness very soon? Thanks so much, Jean. Okay. Perfect. So this is what we're talking about today. And I could write a fucking dissertation on this because I feel like uh, there is still a very big taboo in our culture about, surprise, motherhood, the sacred institution, right? You get pregnant and it is baby bliss. Kim Kardashian's pregnant and it's across the tabloids, baby bliss. Who could be happier to be pregnant? Surely that's the, the pinnacle of female achievement, is being pregnant and you should love every minute of your pregnancy. Isn't it wonderful that you're creating life? Oh, except for the fact that your ankles are swollen and you're vomiting every hour of every day and you're terrified that your life is going to change. And, and well, you've had this whole other existence as a person with a career and a life. And now suddenly that's going to change. And why aren't you thrilled about that? You're not thrilled about your entire life changing <laughs> and, uh, and birth. Isn't that magical? Isn't that wonderful that your, your, uh, your body should be split in half? Quite literally, your bones separate. And then after that, your body is a, a fucking shell of what it used to be. And you just struggle and strive to get it back into some kind of form that vaguely resembles the female body you had before, because that is fucking gone. So why aren't you happy? Why aren't you thrilled? <laughs> now... I have to preface it with the obligatory, I love my kid, I'm not a monster, it is without question, the best thing I ever did is having a son. He's the light of my life, the only reason I enjoy waking up early is to see that kid's smiling face, and he makes me laugh, and I absolutely adore him, and our our family's great. So, now, the problem with the motherhood taboo and our culture surrounding motherhood, the sacred institution, that's the big problem is that they sold it to us as some fucking horseshit sacred institution to keep you in line. Remember the 1950s, not so long ago, where a woman left her parents' house to go straight to her husband's house, where she began the job, which it is a job, of raising children. And they, uh, you know, they didn't pay you for it, of course. Uh, instead, they said things like, it is a sacred institution, motherhood, and uh, this is the most important thing you can do, and da-da-da-da-da. And they, glor- they glorified something that really, at the end of the day, fucking is super hard. And I give uh, so much respect to stay-at-home mothers, any mother, any fucking stay-at-home, working, whatever. If you're doing it, congratulations, you're doing it. It's fucking hard. 
And it's not all wine and roses. And is any relationship that way? And I think the problem, uh, at least I had when I first became a mother, is the idea that like, wait, how come I'm not enjoying every minute of my pregnancy? Because some days you feel like shit. Some days emotionally you feel like shit. Some days you're full of anxiety, full of fear. Uh, all kinds of complicated feelings arise when you're pregnant. It is not just like, oh, isn't this amazing? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, isn't any new relationship fraught with things, issues, the messy, yucky parts? And essentially having a child, it's just entering into a new form of relationship. You're, you're going to become a parent and that's a different thing. And is there any relationship that doesn't have kinks along the way? I mean, even your husband, your boyfriend, whoever... You love them. And also some days you're just like, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> you got to go. I got to go. We got to go. We got to get out of here. You know, I mean, that's normal. But I don't know why in our society that that is considered taboo that a, a woman would feel ambivalent. Well, of course you do, sweetie. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but in this era, uh, women generally on, on the average, don't go from their parents' house to their husband's house anymore. No. Instead, you go to college. You get a job. You get a career going for yourself. And then somewhere in between career time and the time you become infertile, you, you get in there under the wire and you make a kid. And now what? Am I supposed to completely forget about the life I had 20 years prior to having a kid? Am I just supposed to forget that and have amnesia and become super mommy and devote my life to this institution? And I don't know. And some women can, and that's great. Some women are happier than shit to stay home all day. And that's the best thing that ever happened to them. And some women might have uh, different feelings about that. Some women might go, you know what? I like working. I want to go to my job every day. It gives me a sense of fulfillment, whatever. And then I come home and I'm with my family and, and it's fine. And they work out childcare, whatever. And I think the, the big problem is the idealization of motherhood. It's idealized. It's fetishized. It's turned into it, the expectations are so high, so high on women. The pressure is so high to be perfect at this. Of course you should have feelings. Um, Let me see what your feelings are. You said, I found a month ago, and I'm concerned I'm not having the normal happy feelings, okay? Distant and deflated emotions. Well, yeah, you're scared. So I I remember when I got pregnant, too, I I think I felt similar. I I cried, not out of like, isn't this amazing? But but I was scared. I was terrified. How am I going to get on a plane and go do a gig and, 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 you know, South Dakota, and I'm pregnant. I've never been pregnant. What's going to happen to me? What is this? What is it going to do to my body? What, what if something bad happens? You know, I mean, there's a million things. There's a million feelings. So, and, and also good luck trying to find anything online about this phenomenon, because I find that, uh, I mean, the, sh- the horse shit that I was reading, I don't know why women are not honest about that. I, I could not find something is what I will say. Very difficult. Um, I think women are so terrified to say, this kind of shit out loud. And I have no idea. It doesn't mean that you love your kid any less. I, I, it's ridiculous. I have nothing but uh, disgusting amounts of love for my son. It's like, it doesn't make you a bad mom. Um, see, you're, you're so worried. I feel like a terrible person because all I can think about is what I haven't done with my life and how much I don't want my life to change while my partner is looking for crime. Okay, so here's the thing too, mama, mama-to-be. I think the... The fear, it sounds like for you, is that your life is going to end. 
And I don't know where you got the message from. I had the same exact fear, which is why I think I put off having children for so long because you think, my life's going to be over. My career is ruined. Everything's going to be terrible. I I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Well, here's what happens, at least for me. And I don't know any moms out there if 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 you agree with this, but personally, what happened for me is that I just restructured how I did stuff. So, and it actually uh, worked out um, so much better, so much better. My life is way more balanced than it was before because now I, I prioritize my time a lot differently. Um, my kid is my priority, so I wake up with him and we hang out, and then in the evening we have our time as well. Um, you know, and you arrange whatever form of childcare, whatever you can swing. Uh, and you make your life, you just restructure things. Anything can, can work if you make it work. So I don't go out on the road anymore for days and days at a time. It's just not, not going to be cool. You know, I, you just restructure. And, and yes, you can do things. You can still have a life and have children. Believe it or not, you absolutely can. However, you need, uh, you need support. You need a system. You need uh, friends, family, nanny, daycare, whatever. So I would suggest to kind of um, assuage your anxieties about not having a life, et cetera, to start looking into things like that. Who can I, um, who can I give the kid to for a few hours a day to go work on X, Y, and Z? Because here's the truth of it. Look, you know, you, you can still do things with children. It's not that you're, you suddenly become uh, chained to a crib forever. They grow up, they get more mobile, they get more you know, they're portable from day one. That's the cool thing. Um, they don't have to hinder your life and they don't. They just, I mean, look, in my opinion, they, he's done nothing but open up my life in ways that I didn't really even consider. My, my mind was way more closed before I had a kiddo because now you think of creative ways of doing shit and it's way more conducive to your happiness. And from what I found and in my business, children are a blessing and they actually, I, you know, everything I wanted in my career happened when I had a kid, ironically, it it took the destruction of my old life to create a much better life. So, um, there's no need to fear. There's no need to fear. You can always work around. You can always find a solution and, uh, try finding other moms that you can talk to that are honest with you. I would try to make Prager friends. I think, um, you know, one thing I regret not doing when I was pregnant is taking some kind of a class with other women about childbirth. <laughs> For some reason, I I, got, I was pregnant and I was like, well, I'm never going to have to birth, so I won't have to learn about that. Like I put my head in the sand for <laughs> about eight months until, <laughs> until I had four weeks to go and I was like, I should probably think about birthing now. And I took like a hypnobirthing thing and, you know, uh, oh, it was so silly. I was not prepared. Um, go take a class. Go meet other moms. Go join a meetup group. Go find other women who are pregnant and dealing with the same feelings you are because they are out there. I have a friend right now who is pregnant and is feeling very similar thoughts to what you're experiencing. Very similar feelings. They're all out there. You just got to find them. Uh, Oh, Facebook is great too. Uh, I think I was like on some old mom Facebook group, but those women are fucking crazy actually too. I don't know. Sometimes they get real culty, mom culty, right? Like (laughs) my bundle of joy. Everything is perfect all the time. (laughs) Mommy bliss. Isn't that amazing all the time? Like, of course it is. It's awesome. But you know, I mean, there are days where like 
I mean, think about it. You're up feeding that kid at, you know, two in the morning, four in the morning, six in the morning when you're breastfeeding, whatever. Is that just joyful to any human? <laughs> does that does that fill your heart with with uh, with thrills and 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 just amazement when you're sleep deprived and fatter than you've ever been? Well, no. <laughs> I, I think that's why I love like the celebrity mom culture because they they make it look like it's it's just it's amazing all the time. You should you should love being sleep deprived and fat and uh, have someone sucking on your boobs. Uh, every few hours. Isn't that normal? Isn't that what every woman dreams of? (laughs) And also don't forget maternal anxiety. If you've never held the baby before, I never held a child. I didn't even know how to change a diaper when I had my kid. The amount of anxiety over that. Oh God. I had nightmares. I would drop him all the time or, you know, he would choke drinking his milk. I mean, fucking you name it. I had it. I got to write a book about it. Anyway, it is in my standup hour. I talk about some of this maternal, uh, ambivalence and you guys will see it hopefully soon so there you go okay let's see oh this one i like too okay so this is a dude uh hello gene i am almost 30 I'm, i am an almost 30 year old guy living in vancouver canada i am writing you to get some insight into getting my life i have a wonderful small family my husband is a generous, kind, incredibly supportive gentleman, gentleman, and we have a strong, smart daughter. I'm currently a stay-at-home dad, and it's pretty all right. Truth be told, it's just not what I ideally would like to be doing. Of course, I love my daughter, but I have found myself lately aching to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> not physically, but emotionally and mentally. A little about my background, I was raised by an absent father that openly admitted he did not love me, and a mother that was the subject of my father's abuse for years before I came along, and thus pretty much damaged and had all but given up on raising children by the time I came along. I am the youngest of five children. I fell hard into alcoholism in high school and started to get my life at 20. Put down the bottle, pills, and powders that plagued my life. I managed to get a degree in special needs education right out of high school and did that for a number of years. I am completely burnt out and have no desire to work in that field any longer. What I really want to do is be a drug and alcohol counselor, a career that I have no doubt I would succeed in and would give me the purpose in life that I am seeking. I started a psychology degree a couple years ago. However, I flunked out in my first semester. I was told by educators and my parents alike that I was not intelligent and should not expect much throughout my education, a message that has haunted me every time I attempt any kind of schooling. I am a driven, strong person and have achieved everything that I have truly set my mind to. How can I get over this bullshit hurdle and get my life while helping others get yeared? Oh, get theirs. Okay. Yours truly, Polly by High and Tight. Awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, Polly by High and Tight. So you are a stay-at-home dad. Awesome. Fucking hard job. I get it. You want to change? Totally, totally wonderful valid yes it's good and your boo-boo is five so good you did your duty (laughs) um you want to go back to school for something different you've gotten a degree before in special education so clearly you have the aptitude uh for schooling and it sounds like you received some pretty negative messages from some pretty unhappy miserable cunts early in your life that have stuck with you and that's totally, uh, that sucks. I'm sorry. 
Uh, it really fucking sucks because I don't think adults realize when they say things to kids that that really sticks to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> God, it's so disgusting. I, I'm so, maybe it was a 17 year smoke. Um, ugh, that was disgusting too. I don't think people, uh, I don't know. Or maybe they do realize when adults are being shitty to kids and, and crushing their dreams early, uh, that that shit stays with you for a long time. Someone makes an offhand comment to you because they're a miserable cunt adult and it stays with you and it forms who you are. And I mean, that's really hard. And that's, that's, that's damage. That's kind of wired in, you know, that's, that's, that's deep shit, bro. Um, but here's, here's the good news. Look, this isn't a fucking death sentence. This isn't a, a, clearly you're an intelligent human being because your email is intelligent. And let me tell you something. I get emails all day from dum-dums, from people that can barely put two fucking words together. I can tell you right now, you're in the top. You're in the top. Your IQ is, is high. I, I know this because I deal with the public a lot. And, and you know, the... the the whole thing about getting your kid into the best kindergarten and giving them a head start and getting them... I'm not so worried about that. You know why? Most of humanity is the fucking bottom of the barrel. A lot of dummies out there. A lot of fucking dum-dums. I know that. I know that just by going to the, the Whole Foods parking lot and watching how people park. Uh, you know, they can't even fucking stay in the lines. I, I, I see how people do little things, little tasks in the world. I watch them. I watch how other people parent their kids, and I'm like, oh, we're doomed. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. My son's already ahead of the curb. The curb. The curb. See, we say these shit on your mom's house wrong, and then I end up saying it wrong in real life. <laughs> Fuck. My kid's already ahead, okay? Just because he has a parent that can put two fucking sentences together, and so does your kid, sir, poly by high and tight. You're already ahead of the game, man. Trust me. Trust me. You're in a good relationship. You have a decent thing going in your life. You've got everything you need to achieve your goals. It doesn't sound, it sounds like you've, you've got the personal experience of kicking addiction. Uh, who better to counsel other people with the same problem? I think you found your life calling and it would be a disaster if you let some cunts in your past dictate your future. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare let those cunts from your past fuck up your future. That's what they wanted. They want to make you miserable too. You know that? People that say these hateful things, it's never about you, boo-boo. It's never about you. It's about them. I mean, why would an adult, why would an adult think about it? You've got a kid. Would you ever say something so crummy to your five-year-old like, uh, you can't do it or you're not bright enough? Uh, you're not uh, you're not good enough. Would you ever tell that to a kid? No. The only reason a person does that is because they're so insecure about their own stuff. They want to bring you down a peg, right? They want to bring you down a notch, and so they say something to an innocent kid, hoping to ruin their day so they feel better about themselves. That's what's going on, and it's evil. That is what the definition of evil is. Yes, it's Hitler in the death camps. That's that. That's uh, mechanized societal evil, but I'm talking about the small evil, the evil that exists between hateful cunt parents telling their kids they can't do stuff. They're not attractive enough. They're not smart enough. They're not good enough. It's wrong. It's fucking wrong. And it's because they're insecure. So let's put that in perspective. The reason you were given those messages, and by the way, educators as well, uh, how many dipshit teachers have you had tell you the untruth? Now there's a lot of fantastic teachers that saved my life saved my life in school. I mean, there's a few that had they not, 
you know, spoken to me that day, I'd probably not be here is, is how amazing some teachers are. And then there are some cunts who hate their lives and want to make sure you have a crummy life so that they can feel better. So know that. Know that that message has nothing to do with your aptitude and your ability because you've done it before. You've gotten a degree. You have the drive, you have the will, and you have the great experience. So that's how you get over it and get your life. You put it in perspective and you realize why you were told those things. I highly doubt it's true. Highly doubt those things are true uh, about you. Now, I would look though... In your past, why did you flunk out the semester you chose uh, to go back to school? Was it because poor planning? Was it you were overwhelmed? Did you take too many courses? It may not be a reflection of your intelligence per se, but maybe a reflection of like, you know, uh, did you have enough time to study? Uh, you know, having a kid does cut into study time. So look at look at that and, and really try to build your structure, your, your, your support system a little bit better going into it a second time around. That's all I would say. Go back, do an autopsy of what rent, what rent, I can't tell, I'm so like, of what rent, what went wrong. And that's the way you will not repeat the mistake in the future, correct? And that is a mark of intelligence, I would say, are people who can go back and see what the fuck they did wrong and then not repeat the same goddamn mistakes. I know so many humans my age who are making the same mistakes over and over and over. And we all do it. I am not immune to it, but I'm talking like big life fuck ups. You know what I'm saying? Evictions, things like that. Like don't, don't do that over and over and over. So do an autopsy on what happened. What went wrong? Were you just scared? Were you just overwhelmed with fear and anxiety? And, you know, if so, what do I say to everybody that's got that problem? Go to a uh, shrink. Hold on. Uh, go, go get therapy then, if it's that, that severe of a mental block. But uh, judging by what you've written, like I said, there's no reason you can't do that stuff. And don't you dare listen to the haters. You know, it's so stupid, that whole hater culture. I think it's so silly. That's all. Haters going to hate. Hater. But that's actually really true, man. That stuff is fucking true. The, you got to ignore the haters. I, it's so silly. But <laughs> why do I learn stuff from YouTube culture? I do, though. It's a, there's a reason people are like, haters going to hate. Ignore the haters. The haters, hater, hater, hater this, hater that. It's, uh, it's truth, man. Because the haters going to hate. That is the nature of the hater, right? They want to shit on you. They want to bring you down. They want to make you feel bad so they feel better. It's all about a power thing. It's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with your aptitude. It's never about that. Nine times out of 10, they're jealous because you're trying to improve your station in life. Envious that they didn't get the same opportunities. Resentful because they see you shining. Now that's, no, that's not to, you know, that, that, that's neither good nor bad. It just is. They see it and they, they resent it. And so how do they deal with those feelings of frustration? They'll lash out at you. You're the asshole for trying. How dare you? That's a big fucking problem, man. Ugh, and I'll tell you, anybody that's trying to do anything in this life, you're going you gonna to get the haters. <laughs> you're going to get them. Wait for them. I fucking wait for them, dude. I wait for those haters with my rifle. A dark corner. Come on, motherfucker. Come on, bitch. <laughs> haters going to hate. 
And the sooner you can build a shield around you, a, a hater prevention shield, the better, man. You got to do it. You know, everyone, so I was thinking about that too. People are like, you want to be in show business? You got to be a strong. You got to have a strong shell. You got to have a, a thick skin, a thick skin. And I've been told that constantly. No, it's actually quite the opposite. I found that the more permeable my skin is, the more I, I allow myself to feel the shit to get through it faster, then my shell becomes stronger. Not that it gets thicker and that things, they don't ever really bounce off of you. They just pass through you quicker so that it doesn't stick to you, the, the, the bad shit. It's not that the bad shit's going to stop. It's just that I know that it's not about me, dude, and it ain't about it ain't about you, bro. Trust me, it's about them. So fuck them and get your life. You can do it, bro. And you email me and whenever you feel like you can't do it or you begin it's in your head, you fucking email me and I'll tell you to get your life. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll give you the encouragement. And find people in your world that encourage you and push you on. I'm sure your your husband sounds like a nice dude. Tell him, hey man, I need the encouragement. <laughs> Sometimes Tom and I do positive affirmations, like a joke. It's a joke, obviously. Uh, you know, and it actually works. I'll be like, all right, Tommy, do you want an affirmation? And he's like, all right. I'll be like, you have a great beard. You have uh, nice eyes. You have a great house. You're very smart. You got nice shoes. You got cool socks. You got a great wife. You got a great kid. You got a great dog. Like, you, you know, you do that stuff and it, it kind of works. It's really weird, but it does work. It's so horrible. It's, it's so embarrassing, but it does work. Uh, it's the funny stuff, the silly stuff, but you know what I mean. Pep talks. Just give yourself some pep talks. Get in the ring and get your life. Because what's the alternative? Frustration, staying at home, not feeling fulfilled. And you know what? You're going to make your son, I mean, your, your daughter and your husband miserable. Because, you know, nobody wants to be around a miserable cunt. That's, and that's what those haters wanted you to do, is to become a miserable cunt like them. They wanted to make you miserable. So don't let them. Don't let them ruin your life, too. You can't. There you go. Okay. Let's see. What else? Oh, I like this one. Okay. Let's... Uh, <laughs> this is a... I've emailed with this lady before. This is so funny. Uh, she writes, hi, mommy. So this week on the two pods, I did. I talk, We talked about this, Tom, and I... Um, you mentioned the lady who, quote, shut it down with the cargo shorts, Jesus sandals, and tank top. I get panicked every time you mention this dress style because this has been my general go-to style for the last 10 years or so of my life. <laughs> oh, man. While I have never been a fashion-forward kind of girl, I really adopted the, the Merrill hiking sandal lifestyle while on vacation in Europe in 2008 cargo shorts allowed me to carry a purse and those sandals uh, not to carry a purse and those sandals are so comfy i also have worked in a laboratory exclusively since 2001 so dressing up has never been required lab solvents will wreck clothing so i fell in love with cheap target tees amen girl in short i've been shut down since i was 25 but thankfully that did not stop me from getting remarried and having two kids since the last kid, she's seven months old, I've been working to get back into as close to my pre-mom shape as I can, but I fear that I do not know how to start on my clothes to keep it on fleek, as the kids say. It is hard with two kids and a job that doesn't require any style to know how and even when I should dress better. If you have any advice for a desperate mommy who doesn't want to give off the shut down vibe, 
also on a side note, part of me is afraid to try because now as I get older, I do get noticed less and less. So if I do try and no one seems to care, what was the point anyway? Maybe I should just not even try. I don't even know. And she's attached a picture. <laughs> she's attached a picture. Oh no, of her hiking sandals and cargo short style. So you can gauge the severity of the issue. Oh my God. Also for no good reason. I've also sent an updated pic of my little boy and girl. Oh, cute. Yes. He, she's this woman I've emailed before. I, I don't want to say her name because you know, whatever. This is so cute. Okay. So she's got her kiddos. Let's see. Oh, they're cute. Oh, they're cute. All right. All right, mama. Okay. So I'm looking at the picture. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm going to ask her permission if I can put this on my website so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Oh, gosh. Okay, so we got the... Oh, this is bad. This is bad. We got the Jesus sandals and the -the (sighs) over-the-knee cargo short. Over-the-knee! It's not even a short! All right, girl, listen. Okay, listen. Oh! (laughs) I just lost my mic. Oh, shit. Hold on. Let me fix this. Okay, back. Technical malfunction. So, uh, all right, we're looking at the picture, and it is bad. It is bad, homie. Okay, so, bro, here's what we're going to do. Now, let's explain some background here. I'm not shitting on women for being comfortable. I'm the queen of comfort. If you look in my closet, uh, I have an entire section devoted to, A, black shirts. I have an entire drawer of nothing but black shirts. That's all I wear. And B, I've found brands that I like that have a comfortable pant style because I don't like tight pants. I fucking hate them, uh, except jeans, obviously, high and tight as fuck. But uh, when I'm not on duty as a full-time mommy, I do like loose-fitting pants. And there's, a, there's listen, and, and you don't have to spend a fortune. Here's what you're going to do, moms, listening, listen. You know you got time when the kids are napping, when the kids are playing, Uh, to get on your phone. You know you're on your fucking iPhone all day. We all do this shit when your kids are playing. Okay, so download like the H&M app. Cheap, right? H&M, you can get a whole wardrobe for like $100. That's what I do. I buy the cheapest shit because like the fashion is, is, you know... It's, it goes out of style so fast. And H&M actually has some really good quality, 100% cotton stuff. They have this thing, this Lyocell shirts. The point is, they got everything on there because it's all the fashion trends that are existing right now. That's what H&M is, disposable fashion, made in sweatshops, whatever. But I know, it's terrible. I also buy from brands that don't do sweatshop labor. Just, you know, I balance it out. I also go to, you know, these other brands where they, it's conscious, conscientious, whatever. So fuck you, don't judge. Okay, so... You're going you're gonna to download the H&M app, and on your free moments, in your free time, you're going to scroll through, here's what you're going to do, because I know, especially when you're postpartum, your body's kind of wrecked still, you're going to do, instead of the cargo shorts, maybe some leggings and a dress over the leggings. Now, the leggings not go down to the ankle, they go to the calf. So that way, you're kind of still concealing your fatness, right? You're kind of holding it all in. I'm going to like a dress over it um, or just a dress, a, a, you know, a simple $15, $20 thing. Go on H&M. They're loose fitting. So you're not like, Ugh. you don't have to dress up. It's casual. There's a way to be casual and comfortable and not, and not look like a dumpy, a dumpy frumpy. Okay. Uh, you're going to go get some nice shirts from H&M, maybe some blouses, cheapy, cheapy. You don't have to go crazy. But look at the styles. See, there's all, there's all different styles. See what appeals to you. 
buy a bunch of shit, try it on, have it mail ordered, send it to the house so you don't have to go out. I know you don't got time as a mom. Who's got the time to go to the fucking mall, try it on. Don't do that. Just order some shit, have it sent to the house, try it on. You don't like it. Fucking mail it back. End of story. Easy peasy. So you take one trip to the post office or if you use stamps.com, you, <laughs> you just have the, them come to you. Um, and now you've got a whole wardrobe. Okay, so here's what you're gonna do. Get, get nice linen pants for summer. Comfortable. Nice linen pants. Uh, Gap also has some great leisure pants that are nice and loose fitting, uh, but don't look utility, like total utility. And I look, I hate carrying a purse too when I'm with my kiddo. I do sometimes wear the mom fanny pack. I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, but I also like to put credit cards in my bra. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is. They don't make pockets on women's clothing, which is horrible. Um, I'd end up sticking a lot of cash and stuff in my bra, uh, or I put stuff in my kid's diaper bag. Okay. Um, but try to, here's what I do too. You know, try to make the top a little more feminine and then the bottoms can be more neutral. Uh, and there you go. Skirts. You don't have to wear the utility sandals, but buy nice flats, just like jazzed up flats. Go on Zappos, dude. That's fucking, again, online. Do it from your phone. Oh, that looks cool. And you don't like it? Send it back. Easy peasy. You don't have to go to the fucking mall. But there's so much stuff out there that there has to be something that appeals to you. And judging by the looks of it, you look thin. You look like you're in decent shape. Yeah, man. Oh, boy. You got you to gotta get your life. <laughs> um, also, what, I, what helped me kind of define, if I have a style, uh, look at celebrities who you like, who do you like? How do you, who, how do they dress? Go look at your favorite ladies, how they're dressing and then go get the fucking H and M version of it. Trust me. Don't, you don't need to buy or rent the runway, do that one, but don't, uh, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money. Just go look at a style and then go copy it, go find who you like and then go copy it. That's all you have to do. But trust me in, in the long run, you, you, you got to maintain, you got to maintain, you got to have some semblance of your former womanhood. Uh, it's just better psychologically, I think. It's better for the husband. You know, it's better for, for everybody if you feel good about yourself. Because you can't feel great. You can't, you can't lie to me and tell me that it feels great to wear Jesus sandals and cargo shorts every day. It can't. I know, because I've been there. I've been there, man. <laughs> I was there. I was on the floor. I was fatter than ever, and I just delivered my baby and depressed. Yeah, of course, we've all been there but you got to maintain. And what I did was when I was super fat and super postpartum me and depressed is that I just, like I said, I was up at four in the morning breastfeeding that baby. And guess what? I download all the apps to these cheapy clothing companies, order some bigger sizes. If your body's not back there yet, you know, I get like a size 14, 12, whatever of some H and M dress. And I put that on and I felt so much better. Just having a little, just a zhuzh of style, just a little something, something, really brighten your mood and you don't have to pay a fortune. You don't, it really, it'll make a difference. And if you're worried, someone won't notice you that they will trust me. They will people notice it's a reflect. And it's not about them. It really is like how you see yourself. Right. And you, you do want people to look at you and go, Oh, she takes care of herself. Oh, she has a, a pride in her appearance. It's very important. And as an example to your kiddos too, right? You want them to have pride in how they look. It's, it's going to change everything. Just, just try, just maintain. I know, so hard though. It really is. Uh, but not if you shop online. Okay. One last 
And then I got to go do my goddamn Pilates. Fuck. I got to have a sweet instructor. She's the only one. Okay, so this one was interesting. Hi, Jean. I need an outside opinion. Uh, Long story short, I started to make serious plans with a few friends to go to the UK next spring. After spending hours creating spreadsheets, researching things to do, ticket prices, weather for the time of year, etc., they have all bailed. They said they never thought they'd actually be able to go, that they just liked the idea of going, even though I approached them with the idea 14 months in advance so we could all save money to go, they all said they won't have the money or they don't know what their schedules will be like next year. I'm upset and I feel betrayed. I don't even want to speak to them right now because I know I will say something out of anger that will really put a strain on the friendships. Should I go alone? I should mention I have an internet friend that lives outside of London who has expressed interest in meeting up in Scotland to hang out for a bit. Should I go and spend a few days alone with someone I've never met before? I feel like I'm going to regret not going, but I'm very apprehensive right now. I'm shy, introverted, and have anxiety. Am I just being a little bitch and using these things as an excuse to not go? How do I get over my apprehension and actually go and enjoy myself? Okay. So, little jeans. The UK, that's where you're going? You want to go to London? Is it meeting up in Scotland? Oh, yeah. Okay, so look. Uh, your mommy, in fact, did the exact same trips when she was a 20-year-old girl in the late 90s. Now, if this were the late 90s, I would say, yeah, go alone. Who gives a shit? Uh, the UK is so much safer than the United States. Cops don't even carry guns. Uh, I, but the, the truth of it is, I don't, judging by, I don't know, that that's some terrorist stuff happening that's terrifying. Is that going to happen to you? Probably not. I don't think so. The likelihood of that is, you know, small. Uh, but I can't, I don't, I can't vouch for the safety of the UK right now. I don't know because I just, I haven't been, I haven't experienced in so long. So I cannot say. Um, but here's what I would suggest. You have a friend outside of London. That's the key. So when you're doing something alone, because I do travel alone as well, but I always have a structure in place. That's number one on doing anything in life, right? You have a plan, you have structure, you have something set up to catch you. Uh, so meet this friend. Go. Why can't you just travel the UK with this person? Set something up where they go, uh, you're going to go to Scotland? Yeah. So extend the trip with this person. Um, and if you can't, I don't know if kids still do this, but go to a youth hostel. Stay in a youth hostel. Set yourself up to make new friends. Is that safe anymore? I'm sorry if that's not safe, but in the 90s, that's what we did. We would go stay in youth hostels, and then you meet other travelers from all over Europe. You know, you jump on the, the trains, and you that's how you meet. You met other 20-year-olds backpacking, and you're going to meet a lot of other Americans out there um, traveling through Europe as well, if you're American. I don't know. You don't say. But, um, yes, you are. You're, you're living in New York. Okay. So you're going to meet other Americans. You're going to meet other European travelers, kids your age who are doing the exact same thing. You are backpacking through Europe, totally normal experience. Um, so set yourself up to meet those other people either before you go over, maybe you can meet some, I don't know, online or there are like groups for, for kids who want to travel abroad. But, and I would say, look, if this, if this friend of yours can't go with you, um, create, create a structure through which you're going to survive. You, you don't want to just show up in England or wherever it is alone and like, hey, I'm just going to wander over the bars. That, that, 
that's a, that's really silly, especially as a single woman. I would not recommend that. That's just dumb. You're just setting yourself up for for horror, a horror show. Uh, if you have to go alone, this is going to sound corny, but why not get with like a tour group? At least that way you're in some form of a structure and you can you can move about with a group of core people that uh, you can, you know, are pretty good and they're not going to rob you or, (laughs) uh, yeah, you need a buddy. Uh, you can do things alone, but I do think you should have the structure. When I travel alone, there's structure. There's the comedy club. I know where I'm going that night. I know who's picking me up from the airport. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all built in. So yes, I'm alone, but I'm surrounded by people that support me and what I'm doing. So that's what I would say to you is, is find a support. Either it's a tour group of young people you can join. I don't know what you're into. I'm sure there's all kinds of shit you can do. Um, but don't just show up. I've done that. That's stupid. I did that when I was 20. Like, let's go to France. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll just go. And you're like, oh, what am I doing here? And there's some weird guy talking to me in the, in the subway. You know, they prey on uh, people all, all over the world prey on young, cute girls alone. So I, I don't necessarily advocate that. I do, I do advocate a buddy system. Uh, so get this person to go with you. Uh, or if not, join a tour group of like-minded individuals that you don't want to be alone. Trust me. I, I just don't, I don't think it's wise. And I, I, you know, again, I travel, but it's only because I have the structure in place that allows me to meet people along the way who I know are going to take care of me. It's not like I just go out there. <laughs> I don't just fly to Saudi Arabia. Like, where's the gig? I don't know. No, no. Um, okay. Actually, this is, this is the last one I wanted. This is the exact email that prompted this thought. So, uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I finally took the dive and went into therapy because of insurance and money reasons. I went the online route and I love it. Great. Wonderful. I'm three months in and I can already see small improvements. However, as a big listener to self-help podcasts in general, I have a fucking thing to say about most of them. No one ever talks about the middle shit that goes on. The space in between realizing you're an anxious turd and getting your life. There are a lot of setbacks and it gets really difficult when you want to see improvements right away. No one ever mentions that bullshit. They all make it seem like one day they woke up, decided to change, changed, and now have 10 million Instagram followers and want to host webinars explaining how I can too. Therapy is uncomfortable, and I often get embarrassed because I'm saying things to a stranger that I can't even say to a mirror. Why do podcasts ignore that? People have always interviewed the guy at the end of the marathon. No one ever interviews the poor dude who is still trying to run, even after the even after the race is over and the crowd is gone. Yeah. What are your experiences on the middle shit? How do I keep going when I still rather have, when I still have rather heavy, heavy panic attacks. Okay. This is what we talked about in the beginning of the show, the space in between the ambivalence, the frustration. Uh, that's the life. That's, that's the stuff of life. Okay. Everyone wants to have the gratification of the win of the failure of whatever it is, the end of the story. We always want to get to the end of the story, but you're right. No one does talk about that stuff because it's hard to articulate, right? It's not like, it's just hard to articulate because it's complicated. It's mushy. It's, it's the yucky parts. And, uh, and no one likes to talk about the yucky parts because, well, it's the yucky. (laughs) Um, but you know, what do you do? You tolerate it. There are times when sometimes all you can do in the yucky bits is drink a bottle of wine 
and that's what you're going to do to get through it. <laughs> there are some times when you can be more constructive and you can go for a hike, a swim, a bike, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're called coping mechanisms. I know. Weird. I've never learned about those. Uh, <laughs> nobody ever taught me that shit. I hear there are coping mechanisms, uh, things people can learn to do to tolerate frustration. Because that is, unfortunately, most of the human condition is tolerating frustration. Uh, you can't always get what you want, right? That's the Rolling Stones. But sometimes you get what you need. And the need part comes after tolerating frustration for sometimes many, many years. Um, so you're asking me, basically, how do I deal with day-to-day shit? Day-to-day life where, you know, you're in the, you're in the middle of the peaks. So what you're going to do is calm down, right? Stay calm. And you're going to do the same shit you do every day, man. You're going to tolerate it. You're going to tolerate it with whatever tools you have at your disposal. Try not to, you know, self-medicate too much. I advocate wine only in times, I mean, only for people that don't have addiction uh, problems. Or, you know what? Some days all you can do is melt cheese on a plate and, uh, and eat it. That, that's your day. There are some days where all you want to do is, uh, you know, binge on Netflix and, and pet your dogs. Okay, then do that for a day or two or whatever. Um, yeah, there's a whole range of emotions. That's the thing is that it's not cut and dry. It's not like either depression, elation, or whatever. It's ambivalence. It's carrying two simultaneous feelings at once. So that is complicated. And how you deal with it is you keep moving. You know, when um, I remember when my mother died and I, my, I asked my shrink, like, well, what, what do I do? What do you, what do I do? How do I get out of this? <laughs> and she goes, well, you do what you normally do. And you wake up in the morning, you put your clothes on and you go do, you do your day. And that's what I would say to you in the midst of the marathon. That is life is you just fucking do what you normally do. You try not to panic too much. You try to stay mindful. You try to be kind to other people and not be a douchebag. And, uh, and you just keep going. You keep pushing through, right? That's, that's the whole point. Most of life is the ambivalent stuff. Most of life is the panicking about, about this and that and the other. That's, that's every day. That's the everyday stuff. It's the human condition, dude. So there is no neat answer. And that's why there aren't many stories written about it. Because there is no answer. There's, no, there's an answer to the winner, to the loser, you know. That's the story. But it's the, the mucky muck. It's very messy. Life is very messy. It's grays. It's mostly gray. It's not very black and white and wins and losses are black and white. And that's why we love them as humans. It's not messy. It's very clean. Um, so most of it's gray and you just cope and you find coping mechanisms. So I don't know. Google coping mechanisms. Maybe, maybe I'll do an episode on that. Cause I, I don't fucking know. I didn't, I, I don't I wasn't taught them. I mean, I know how to tolerate things now. Um, I like perspective. That's what I do. I'll tell you what I do. Okay. So freaking out about editing the special. It's annoying. What do I do? I realize that I'm in it, that I am freaking, that I'm annoyed, that I'm frustrated. I, I go, Oh, that's what that is. You're freaking out. You're frustrated. Uh, are you going to panic? No, it's normal. It's part of the range of human existence, the range of human feelings. Okay. What are you going to do? Fuck it. Let's go to the zoo. Great. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's go for a swim. Great fuck it go do pilates you're gonna feel better anyways okay and then come back to it so you're just finding ways to deal 
with frustration. And that is the majority of your existence as a human on this planet. And nobody tells you that either. Nobody fucking tells you that. Everyone thinks it's about the wins. It's not. It's about the frustrations in between. It's the journey. And that's when people say bullshit to you. Like, it's the journey. It's the journey, not the destination. (laughs) It's a nicer way of saying, ah, yeah, life is pretty messy and you're going to feel ambivalent a lot. You're going to feel frustrated a lot. But it's the journey. It's the journey. (laughs) They're trying to decorate it. They're putting lipstick on the pig of life, which is, it's a journey, not a frustrating, uh, sometimes complicated and confusing uh, you know, endless, endless road of uh, existence. It's a journey. Enjoy your journey. <laughs> well, you have to, right? Enjoy your journey. And that, that's the challenge is to carry all these feelings of horrible, weird stuff. And then simultaneously, right? Enjoy it. Because look, it's not that long. It really isn't. And you're going to fucking die. We always, I always say this on the show. The truth is it's not that long and it's not that bad. It's not. Whatever you're going through, if it isn't life-threatening, it's not that bad. I remember the first 10 years of stand-up, or no, eight years when I was so petrified of doing it, uh, before i get up, I'd say to myself, well, this isn't brain surgery. I'm not in, not in Afghanistan uh, taking bullets. I'm just telling fucking shit jokes to strangers. And then you go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's calm the fuck down. We'll calm it down. You know, and in your case, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated in therapy. Why isn't thing, why aren't things moving along? Okay. Yeah. Just calm down. It's okay. It'll pass. It'll change. And that's another thing too, is that stuff changes today. It looks this way. Tomorrow it's going to be so much better or not. Maybe it'll get worse, but then in three days it'll get better. You know, it just takes time. Everything takes time and, and you have to tolerate the, the patience of it, the frustration of it. It all changes. It does. Look at your life a year ago. It's not anything. It doesn't resemble likely what is happening right now. So it all does change. And usually for the better, everything kind of shakes out. That's what I find. And to panic about that, it doesn't really help. It just doesn't help. Uh, You can panic and then the panic passes, right? Even a panic attack comes and it goes. And then you're on with it again and you're back to doing life. Oh shit. I got to go. Okay, guys, I got to go do Pilates. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. And email me. That's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. Send me whatever you got, guys. And I hope you have a great week. Uh, Continue to get your lives as best you can. And let's do this again. All right, mommies. Bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life and you know what that is what that's deep bro that's deep bro that's deep bro